the Feast of the Holy Trinity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given us grace to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity by the confession of a true faith and to worship the unity in the power of the divine majesty. Keep us steadfast in this faith and defend us from all adversities. For you, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, live and reign one God now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the Feast of the Holy Trinity is from the book of the prophet Isaiah, the sixth chapter. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the 11th chapter. O oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out! For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, 
he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Whoever would be saved must hold the Catholic faith. For all men are depraved ere their first infant breath. All merit condemnation and need Christ's free salvation. We dare not trust another, none else can save his brother. Thus all must hold the Catholic faith or bear eternal death. This faith owns one alone, true God whom all must trust, the Father and the Son, as well the Holy Ghost. This is the one true Godhead, all idols are excluded. He wrought the world's creation, and also man's salvation. Through Jesus Christ, the Son, our Lord, the eternal saving word. These three in Trinity are each one God and Lord, yet God in unity, one Lord to be adored. Three persons co-eternal, all one in might supernal, in boundless deep compassion, desiring man's salvation. 
All one in highest majesty, one God yet persons three. Within this three in one, the Father is of none, the Son of him alone, as sole begotten one. The sanctifying Spirit, by whom we life inherit, is of both Son and Father, proceeds from both together. Three persons clearly thus we own, their essence though but one. Thrice Holy One in Three, Almighty Three in One, Mysterious Trinity, by whom all good is done. Though none can comprehend him, by faith we apprehend him, and joyously confessing his wondrous grace and blessing. Him we must worship God alone, beside whom there is none. This too all must believe, whoe'er would be forgiven, and righteousness receive, so as to enter heaven. The Son's blessed incarnation for us and our salvation. He came forth from the Father, took flesh, became our brother, and lived and died and rose again to save us sinful men. Yes, Christ, the true, very God, was born to man on earth, with soul and flesh and blood of wondrous virgin birth, and that he might deliver us men from sin forever. He suffered for our pardon, sin's full accursed burden. Upon the cross, low in our place, great God, man full of grace. This reascended Lord shall surely come again, and with his truthful word will sit as judge of men. Those who the faith rejected shall then all unexpected instead of Christ's salvation meet endless reprobation. Dread judgment that long-threatened doom on all such then will come. But those who keep the faith, who trust the triune God,
who hold to Christ till death, whose hearts are thus renewed, shall at the Lord's direction, then in the resurrection, inherit heaven's gladness, God's kingdom without sadness. So shall he crown in boundless grace those who the faith embrace. Then let us unto death confess most heartily this one true saving faith, the Christian verity, and show our God and Saviour true thanks by our behaviour, till we in songs resounding our praise on high are sounding with mighty angels round his throne. Yea, praise to him alone. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Where the Lord builds a church, the devil builds a chapel. Even when the Lord's church is built upon the rock of a pure confession through a pure apostolic office regarding the identity of the Son of God, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The devil, nevertheless, finds room to build his own chapel and room within that confession to spread his own gospel. The most important question that has ever been asked in history is the question Jesus asks the disciples, Who do you say that I am? This question is eternal. It lasts as long as Jesus lives. So, who do you say that Jesus is? How do you know what to say of Jesus? You confess. Used in this sense to mean a speaking forth the fullness of your creed, which is in Christianity nothing more than a speaking back or repeating 
about Jesus what he has already told you about himself. What Jesus proclaimed about himself, the apostle confessed about him. What the apostle confessed, all apostles taught. What the apostles taught, the fathers preserved. What the fathers preserved, the church continues to pass down in perpetuity. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are dear children who hear words from your holy mother and who repeat them because you love and trust your mother. Do you understand everything that you say? Maybe and maybe not. Is understanding the ultimate goal of the Christian or is faithfulness? Being faithful does not always mean understanding fully, but it does mean speaking forth the words that have been given to you by Jesus. He says that he is the Son of God, united with the Father and the Spirit, ever one God, world without end. So who do you say that he is? Here is what you say. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father. Do you understand it all? I hope not. For much of these words Christ has given you are incomprehensible divine mystery. But do you believe these words? Do you believe that this is who Jesus is? I certainly hope so. Because to believe otherwise is to be anathema. Where Christ has built a church upon this particular confession of his identity, the devil has built myriad chapels of differing confessions. Yet only one confession is true, and that is the one not revealed by flesh and blood, but by the Father, witnessed in Christ, delivered by the Spirit, proclaimed by apostles, defended by fathers, and upheld and passed down by the church. All other confessions are damnable, for incited by the devil who works in them to the lust of that which is set before them and throwing away all religious scruples, those who affirm any other confession trample underfoot the fear of the judgment of God. In the year of our Lord 325, 318 bishops with countless priests and deacons accompanying them, representing every district of every province of every nation where Christianity had arisen, met together at Nicaea in council. The purpose of this council was to address the problem of Christians who had migrated from the church on the rock to a popular chapel in the nearby sand. The confession of this separate chapel was in opposition to the confession of the church. Thus, its answer to Jesus' question was not the speaking back of what Jesus says of himself, but something new, something novel, a speaking forth 
what man attempts to think about Jesus in his own understanding. But once more, understanding is not synonymous with faithfulness. The one who is faithful knows he will never truly understand the mysteries of God and therefore seeks only to speak back in faith, love, and trust what Jesus says of himself. Put simply, the faithful agrees with Jesus and says, Amen to Jesus, and does not try to grasp by his own understanding that to which Jesus has given him simply to submit. Hence the words of Solomon for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. What this chapel spoke forth was this. There was a time when Jesus did not exist. Jesus, the Son of God, the Word, the Logos, like all other things, was created. He is not fully God, only partly. He is the chief of created beings, but still lesser than God the Father. How do you test the spirits that speak forth such things? In the same way the Council of Nicaea did, by comparing what man says of Jesus with what Jesus says of Jesus. Jesus says, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. He speaks in plurality as the triune God. He also says of himself, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The only begotten is not generated, created, or separate from the Father or the Spirit at any time. They are one. Jesus says that he is fully God and fully man. So then does the Church on the Rock against the myriad confessions of myriad chapels of human ingenuity. The decree of Nicaea is this, ringing forth as a gavel throughout the history of creation and Christianity. Those who say, there was a time when the Son was not, and he was not before he was begotten, and that he was made out of nothing, or who maintain that he is of another substance than the Father, or that the Son of God is created or mutable or subject to change, them the Catholic Church anathematizes. Jesus says, He who is not with me is against me. At Nicaea, the Church agreed. The Church said, Amen to Jesus, and declared that those who say Jesus is anything other than what Jesus says about himself are not Christians. They are not in the church on the rock. They dwell in their own tents, on their own islands, in chapels of the devil built on sand that, at the time of the judgment, will be washed away.
One young man, Athanasius by name, was in attendance at that council at Nicaea and took heart in what the church declared against false teaching. He lived the rest of his life as a persecuted Christian, persecuted by other so-called Christians for affirming what the church confessed. And this young man penned a great defense of who the church says Jesus is. The Athanasian Creed, confessing Jesus as fully God and fully man, and confessing the triune nature of the Godhead, is the culmination of his work, born from the Council of Nicaea, through the preservation by the fathers of the teachings of the apostles that were the very words of Jesus himself. Who is Jesus? Who does the church say he is? He is the only begotten, truly God and truly man, one person within the indivisible union of persons that is the Holy Trinity. Can you understand it? No. So do not try. Can you explain it? Heavens, no. But can you confess it? Absolutely you can confess it. Speaking bath the words your mother has taught you to say, accepting that your faithfulness is not dependent upon your understanding, but upon your submission to the mysteries God gives that you are incapable of understanding. The church has never been wholly united in anything except the confession of who Jesus is, both as man and as God. At its core, the church is not truly divided, even as she scrimmages about doctrines that, though historic and important, do not themselves serve as the confession of the rock. The call to the arms of the church is not about infant baptism, not about the real bodily presence in the Eucharist, not about the ordination of women or homosexuals, not about the support for abortion. The call to arms is truly about who you say God is, who you say Jesus is. In a world, and even amidst the collapse of so many once faithful Christian bodies, wherein everyone believes themselves entitled to a personal, independent understanding of who Jesus is and who God is, the ancient confession of the Church of the Rock is every bit as important now as in the days of Nicaea and as in the days of St. Athanasius. Every single one of you must take up sword and shield in your confession. Give no ground. Who is God? Who is Jesus? Nothing but what he has said of himself. Live in the church on the rock, not in the chapels of the devil on the sand. Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Blessed be Jesus, our brother in flesh, our God in spirit, our salvation 
in substance. Let all else be anathema. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God and our Lord Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For the Spirit of God to remain with his Church, to defend and protect her from adversity, to preserve her from heresy and schism, and to be the breath of divine bellows that stokes the fire of faith and pure confession, let us pray to the Lord. For the people of Christendom, that residing within the Holy Catholic Church, they would inhabit a city of God apart from the world, for steadfastness and boldness in word and deed, for hearts of martyrs, that all Christians would remain faithful amidst every assault of the world, even unto death, and for all who bear the holy orders of the ministry, let us pray to the Lord. In thanksgiving for regeneration and rebirth at the hands of the Trinity in unity and unity in Trinity, for an increase of piety, love, and devotion among those reborn, and for faithful lives that live upon the way, seeking to give all in service of the gospel, let us pray to the Lord. For this country and all within her who seek to govern and to rule, for those who strive to preserve and uphold law and good order, for those who defend this country and her people, for kindness and compassion among the peoples, and for concord among all nations, let us pray to the Lord. For deliverance from every sin, error, evil, discord, and strife, for an end to war, bloodshed, sedition, and rebellion, for the work of God to chasten and to heal, for the conversion of the pagans and the return of the apostate, for the destruction of the proud and the upright and blessing to the meek, and for eyes to see and hearts to receive the love of God, let us pray to the Lord. For all enemies and persecutors of the faith, for mercy to the sinful, for provision to the innocent, the widow, the orphan, the needy, the homeless, the abused, and the needy. And for the comforter to heal the downtrodden, raise up the brokenhearted, and dispel the poisons of resentment, hatred, and scorn among the people of God, bringing in their place unity in love, let us pray to the Lord. For the healing touch of Christ as the Spirit so delivers, for the preservation of the body against all trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity. For our brethren, Sherry, Pam, Shelley, Doug, Shirley, Sean, Addison, Don, Brooks, Nancy, and Jerry. For comfort to those who mourn, especially the families of Mary Ann, Cash, and Ron, and in thanksgiving for all new life and bodily preservation in the new hope of our Lord's return, let us pray to the Lord. O most glorious Trinity, you are, I am, and apart from you there is no other God, there is no life, there is no way, 
there is nothing at all. As we gather at the threshold of your full revelation, grant us the beatific vision of Isaiah to see the hosts of heaven laud and magnify your name and to join with them in the humility of adoration. Even as we cannot comprehend you, grant us to know you. Even as we cannot see you, grant us to see your work. Even as we cannot gaze into the depths of your mind and will, grant us to gaze into the depths of your love. Permit us to relish your sacred mysteries, treating them with reverence and care as sacred matters of faith. Even as we abide in your mysteries, O Lord, grant that we would cling to that which you have made known of yourself, that our confession may ever be from you unto life everlasting. For you are God of gods and Lord of lords, before whom all creatures in heaven and earth do tremble and bend the knee, the everlasting Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.